0: Welcome to the Business Done Differently podcast, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Jesse Cole, and it's showtime. You are in for a treat today, as this episode is truly for you. For all the guests I've had on Business Done Differently, today's guest may be the most forward-thinking we've ever had. He's the best-selling author of Know What You're For, and his strategy for growth has been an inspiration to me and my team. Jeff Henderson, I am so pumped to connect with you today.
1: Jesse, can you travel with me? That was like the best (laughs) introduction I've ever had. Thank you. That's awesome.
0: (laughs) you got to have fun with the four, man. I got the book right here. Our team has the book. Big inspiration. And I want to kind of tell a little bit of the journey going through this and how I came to it. And I'm so inspired by great leaders that kind of keep their message going for a long time. And Walt Disney's in my office and P.T. Barnum, but Truett Cathy you learned from. And you opened the book with him. You actually finished the book with a story from him. I'd really just like to get the background work with him because it sounds like he was a big inspiration for this concept in the book as well. Absolutely. Well,
1: the book begins with me driving Truett to a speaking engagement. And there were 2 of us in the car. One of us was a billionaire and one of us was not. <laughs> and so, and I, you know, I kind of... This is one of the first one-on-one interactions I've had with Truett. So, I mean, you know, imagine going to take, drive someone, your boss's boss's boss, right? So, here's the big guy. So, you're expecting, you know, we're going to talk about chicken and all that, in the business. And we talked a little bit about that. But the conversation really shifted, Jesse. And it was true, again, asked me, Hey, how's the business impacting you personally? Are you enjoying working here? And is your wife, Wendy, like it here? How are the kids? And I began to understand at the course of the evening that Truett was more interested in me as a person than he was as an employee. And that's when I discovered one of his secrets of growing a multi billion dollar business that Truett was more interested in the business growing people than he was people growing the business. And that's exactly how the business grew. And let me say this, Jesse, Truett was very interested in selling chicken. All right. (laughs) He was very interested in that. But he discovered that the way that you sell more chicken is to grow people. And he often said, I'm not in the chicken business. I'm in the people business. One of the millions of things I appreciate about you you're not in the baseball business, you're in the people business. Yeah. Baseball is a platform for you to impact and encourage people. And so when I realized that night and I saw that play out on Truett's life, the thing was, I would have, after that night, I already before would have run through a brick wall for Truett, but now I would have run through 100 brick walls because he was genuinely for me. And what I began to discover is when you are for people, not in a manipulative way, but in a sincere way, in a, hey, we only have a little bit of time impact people in our lives. When you're four people, more often than not, they
0: return the favor. So at that point, I mean, you worked for... How long were you at Chick-fil-A for? Six and a half years. Six and a half years. So all those years were with Truett or no? He passed at the end.
1: Yes. Yeah. So I left Chick-fil-A in 20, uh, 2003 yes. and Truett
0: passed away a couple years ago. Okay. So you had the experience with Truett, other great leaders, obviously the family, David Sellers, who I've interviewed as well. And then where did that trajectory... So you start seeing the makeup of Chick-fil-A, true at caring for people. And then all of a sudden, you start getting a part of North Point Ministries and Gwinnett Church. How did this whole four concept come about?
1: Well, it comes down to, I think, two questions that I think any organization needs to ask. And that's true for a business, true for nonprofit. And the reason I think I have a little bit of credibility on this, Jesse, is so I worked for a multi-billion dollar company that arguably is the best in its field in Chick-fil-A. Then I left Chick-fil-A. Long story, David is actually is to blame for me leaving Chick-fil-A <laughs> uh, in a really good way. He took me to a leadership conference that really changed my life and that just changed the trajectory of my career. But I've also worked for an organization now for the last 17 years that was recently named the largest church in America. I don't know if that's true. I don't even know if that's important. But what I'm saying is I've worked for a multi billion dollar business and I've worked for a really large thriving nonprofit. And so I was challenged by a mentor the other day or a few years ago. Hey, this isn't just a blessing. This is a stewardship responsibility. Mm -hmm. What did you learn? And so I began to think about it. And I really began to think, you know, there's two questions that any organization should ask, whether it's a business or a nonprofit. It's number one, what do you want to be known for? You know, that's your unique niche. That's your unique offering to the marketplace. That's as Steve Jobs would say, that's your dent in the universe. Mm -hmm. And it's assumed many times that everyone knows what that is. Everyone on the team knows what that is. And that assumption is a dangerous assumption to make. Because I would encourage leaders to do a vision inventory. Just walk around whenever uh, we can get back together, or you can do this virtually, right? Mm-hmm. Ask people, hey, what do you think we're known for? Don't push back. Don't say no, 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 or anything. You just take notes. And more often than not, And this isn't a criticism. It's just because it's hard to do. More often than not, there are either blank stares or you get lots of different answers to that. And what that means, Jesse, is that there's confusion in the office space about what you want to be known for. And when there's confusion in the office space, there will be confusion in the marketplace. And so we've got to get really crystal clear about what you want to be known for. An example of that, I'll give you a couple of examples. One is... Zappos. They want to be known for delivering happiness. That's what they want to do. And you could say, you know, you could push back on that a little bit to the founder, Tony Shea, to go, really? How does deliver happiness deliver to the bottom line? Well, apparently it's done pretty well because (laughs) in the first 10 years, they went from zero to a billion dollars in sales. And this idea of delivering happiness really drives everything that they do. And they were recently bought like Amazon, like we all will be one day. <laughs> now, and David Salyer, speaking of David and I went out a few years ago to Zappos and everywhere that talking about, you know, repeating your vision. Yeah. Everywhere we went in the building, Jesse, it was deliver happiness, deliver happiness, deliver happiness. Even when you went to the restroom, it was deliver happiness, which was a little awkward. But <laughs> nevertheless, they, they are saying, here's what we're known for. Now, let me give you an example that This may sound critical. I'm not trying to be critical. What I'm trying to do is to point out how this question, what you want to be known for, is not that simple. Well, it is simple, but it's not that easy. And it's so easy to drift off of this. So one of my marketing heroes is Al Reese. He lives in Atlanta. And Al is this marketing legend. He wrote a book called Focus, which I would highly recommend that you get. And he was hired by Burger King to come in and help them increase their chicken sandwich sales. So Al comes to the meeting, he says, all right, meeting begins, he raises his hand and he says, can we all go outside? And they're like, well, okay, why do we need to go outside? Because trust me, so they go outside, they go out to this large corporate sign that says Burger King and it says, on the count of three, I want you to say the name of the company out loud. So they're all looking at him like, this is, what in the world are we doing? But he counts them down, three, two, one, They I'll go, Burger King. And Al goes, exactly. Here's my question. You're Burger King. Why are you selling chicken sandwiches? And that was the last day that Al worked on the Burger King account. But the point <laughs> that is, is you can't be known for everything, but you must be known for something. You can be the king of burgers, but you're probably not going to also be the king of chicken sandwiches. Yes. It, it kind of stretches credibility. So what do you want to be known for? So that's question number one. Question number two is the pesky one. Question number two is the, when you pull the rock up and you see all the squiggly things under it. This is the challenging question. Because the challenging question isn't yours to answer. It's yours to influence. It's mine to influence, but it's not ours to answer. That second question is, what are you known for? And that's when customers tell you, here's what you're known for. And here's the challenge with those two. And I think that the opportunity with these two questions, when what you want to be known for is exactly what you're known for. And it's a compelling vision. Then you create vision carriers for your business. And Jesse Cole, that is exactly what you have done. So for example, one of my closest friends, Stuart and Lauren Espy, Stuart's mom lives in Savannah. I mean, before I knew you, he was talking about you and Savannah Bananas. Oh my goodness. You got to see what they do. We got to go down to Savannah. We got to do this because what you wanted to be known for and what he experienced matched. So here we are in North Atlanta, and he's trying to get me to come to the the Savannah (laughs) Bananas baseball game. And here's the wonderful thing about this Do you know how much money the Savannah Bananas are paying Stuart and Lauren Espy? (laughs) That would be zero. (laughs) They probably paid us. Absolutely. (laughs) See? And so you gave them a great experience, and here they are. They are vision carriers. And the more vision carriers your organization has, the more vision casters you have. And I think that's the future of quote-unquote marketing.
0: I love it. And it's such a simple first question to get to the second question and what your customers are saying. You So let's, let's get specific more. I love the Tony Shea and Delivering Happiness. But what about you, Gwyneth Church? I mean, it sounds simple. But let's clarify it.
1: Absolutely. So I left Chick-fil-A in 2003. I've, I've launched three churches in, yes. in the middle of that. And so whether you know, your listeners say whether they're a person of faith or not, let me take them a little bit of a journey on what this looks like. Okay. So I'm not asking anyone to do something that I haven't done. So when we began our church, so I began Buckhead Church in 2003, and then we launched Gwinnett Church in 2011. So when we launched Gwinnett Church in 2011, we processed through these two questions, what do we want to be known for? Well, we weren't known for anything because we didn't exist, right? (laughs) So we took a bigger picture and said, well, what is the church known for? And in that meeting in those early early days, somebody said, you know, when it comes to the church, Many people are more familiar with what the church is against mm-hmm. rather than the, what the church is for. How about, here's a novel idea. <laughs> How about us letting people know who and what we're for? And I mean, we just all looked at each other. In that There's only four of us. Lauren Espy was in that meeting, by yeah. the way, one of your vision carriers. And we thought, that's it. Well, what are we for? And we said, well, we're for Gwinnett. So Gwinnett is a county in North Atlanta. It's will be in a few years, the most populated county in Georgia. It's the most diverse county in Georgia. So the opportunity to influence not just the people in Gwinnett, but to have it spread is is really unique. So we said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be for Gwinnett kids, students, businesses, everybody here, whether they go to our church or not, doesn't even care. It doesn't matter. Um, We're going to be for them. So an example of that in terms of creating vision carriers is. When we bought the property of our first location, we have two locations now going out, we put a sign out, you know, and that typically, you know, the sign says coming soon, you know, uh, <laughs> Walmart or Chick-fil-A or Savannah Bananas, or, mm. you know, so this route would be coming soon, go church. And that's exactly what I did not want to do mm. because ironically or sadly or unfortunately that word church would immediately, people go, I'm not a church person or that has nothing to do with me or that, and they would just drive on past it. And I didn't want that to be our first impression in the community, so we put a sign out there that just said hashtag for Gwinnett. There was no website, there was nothing, and you know you'd have these bulldozers out there, and people had no idea what was going on. And I, and I got some feedback internally, which I totally understand. People said, "Hey, whoa, 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 whoa! They're not going to know this is a church. What, there's no clarity here. What? It just says hashtag for Gwinnett." And I said, "Exactly." I want there to be, conver- I want to spark a conversation. Then we gave everyone shirts that just said Fort Gwinnett and didn't have, a, didn't have our church name on it or anything like that. But what I told our volunteers, there was only about 100 of them or so at the time, I'm going to give you this shirt. When you go to the grocery store, when you go to the ballparks, people are going to come up to you and say, hey, that, there's a sign up there that says Fort Gwinnett and you've got a shirt that says, what is that? And here's what I want you to say. And Jesse, I think this is so important for leaders to understand. In this moment, what you're giving your your vision carriers, if you will, you're giving them words to say. And vision is like a bucket of water. The more words that are in the bucket, the more the words are going to spill out. So you got to have enough words that it's substantial, but you don't want to have so much that it falls out. And so I told our key core team, when people ask you, what does that mean? And what is that? Tell them, well, it's actually going to be a church. And when they say, why does it say for Gwinnett? Here's what I want you to say. Many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. We're for Gwinnett and we're for you because we think God is for you as well. Hmm. That vision carrying moment, those vision carrying moments grew and continues to grow our church, Jesse. So whether you're a church person or not, doesn't really matter. The point is, what is the language in the vision-carrying bucket that you are giving your people? What is the experience that you are giving your customers and your team? For example, again, not to belabor this point, but the Espies drove all the way from Savannah back to Gwinnett with a bucket and they handed the bucket to me and said, we've got to go to a Savannah banana team. By the way, when you messaged me, and sent me that video on LinkedIn. The first thing I did, I probably should have thanked you first. The first thing I did though, was I sent it to the ESPYs. And I said, look how big time I am, people. I got Jesse Cole sending me a LinkedIn video. So first of all, thank you for making me appear bigger and larger than I really am. So anyway, I really, for us, that has been the vision for who we want to be. But here's the other thing we got to be. So we've been doing this for eight and a half years. Yeah. It's so easy to go, hey, 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 hasn't everybody already heard Fort Gwinnett? Hasn't everybody already heard about Savannah Bananas? And the reason we think that is because we're in this every single day. I'll give you a quick example from Chick-fil-A world. So one of the things I did at Chick-fil-A is I represented and worked with... I represented the corporate office for the Atlanta market, Atlanta operators. Atlanta, obviously, the hometown and the largest market. So, when we launched the Eat More Chicken campaign with Chick fil A, we did it for 10 years. And by the way, you know, this is a very successful ad campaign. It's in the advertising hall of fame. I didn't even know there was such a thing <laughs> as an advertising. Yeah, it. Yeah. What, a great, what a great country. But anyway, so the land operators, and I totally understand this, they said, Hey, Jeff, how much longer are we doing this cow thing? I mean, it's been 10 years. Everybody's heard of it, you know. And I thought, you know what? That's a valid question. So, we did marketing research, right? So Advertising Hall of Fame, 10 years, Chick-fil-A's hometown market, it was only barely starting to register with the city of Atlanta. And that just reminded me that we can't fall victim to, hasn't everybody already heard this? And one of the other lessons that Truett taught me, Jesse, is leaders are repeaters. You have to say it over and over and over again. That's why I love the yellow tuxedo. <laughs> it's reminding people what you're here for and what you are trying to create for your customers. And so we can't get too bored, if you will, with or too used to it and assume that since I'm in this every day, everybody, because no one is thinking about Gwinnett Church right now, right? It's a Friday. It's you know, <laughs> Sunday. It seems like it's you know five years away. But I am. Yeah. And so I can assume that since I'm thinking about it everybody else, and since you're thinking about Savannah bananas everybody's thinking about Savannah bananas no. you can't go there. So I think staying on message and once you clarify that message once yes. you've got that message then you you stay with it.
0: You know, it's so it's cuz you got to spread it but you got to get other people to spread it. And I think what's so interesting was I interviewed our staff, did a quick little pop-up video. I said, "Hey guys, everyone individually. I said, what do we do here? Who do we service?" And I asked every single one and what was the most fascinating they were very close in their answers but not one of them. And this is 15 full-time staff said baseball, which was so interesting when you think on everyone on the outside. And that's kind of one of the battle that, you know, we're fighting a little bit is people still think baseball in the traditional way, but we're entertainment, we're fun and we're experience. And so it's so interesting. So, I wonder what your two friends came back you said they brought a bucket. What did they say and what did you think that we are known for from the outside?
1: Let me just say this: I'm a baseball fan. All yes. right, so I grew up in Atlanta. We didn't have a whole lot to cheer for. Yes, uh, Atlanta has built more stadiums than we've won championships. So I grew up. I remember watching Hank Aaron hit 715. I actually worked for the brace. I had Hank Aaron worked two offices down from me. I didn't really have an office. I had a table. Wow. Um, but in the promotions department. Wow. And but I remember one time. a Little digress. So. Hank Aaron's, the, I mean, the legend, you know, and with all due respect, I still think he's the home run king. Anyway, so <laughs> one night I'm leaving, this is Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium, and there's only two cars in the, in the parking lot. And it's me, I look over and it's Hank Aaron, the hammer, the all-time home run king. I mean, if you took away all of his home runs, he would still have 3,000 hits. Phenomenal, <laughs> right? And so I just wave at him and Hank Aaron waves back. And I'm thinking, Hank Aaron is waving at me. Uh So I love baseball. I love baseball. But their perspective coming back was, and they have little kids. Baseball, I'm not trying to be offensive to the sport. I love baseball. (laughs) Baseball is boring to our little kids. This was a fantastic experience for our family. That's what they came back with. So it wasn't like, man, that first baseman he's got a big swing. It's going to... We can't wait for him to make it to... Hopefully, he'll make it to the Braves someday. It was when the pitcher walked off the mound, he stopped and started dancing. I mean, it was a great... Our kids loved it. It was a great experience for our family. That's what they talked about. And I feel like that's something that... You've got just a different perspective. It's much like... It's not about baseball. It's about entertainment. It's much like it's not about chicken. It's about people. Yes. There's dichotomy there. And... So that's what I think you're doing. Well, are creating a different kind of experience.
0: Well, thanks. So the definition of entertainment is to provide enjoyment and to provide amusement. So doesn't everyone need that? And it's so funny that you said, because I think words are so important. Obviously, four. And you used to have four Gwinnett, but now everyone's just wearing four shirts, which is so powerful. I love it more than anything. Three of our people said, we provide a fantastic experience. And I love the word fantastic, because the name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Everything we decide is fans first. We talk, we're fanatic about fans. We use that. When you say fantastic, it actually embodies, hey, it's all about the fans. So thank you for sharing that. That was great. Jeff, I want to get into an activity that you said, a fun game that someone can do this. Any company that they don't know what they're known for, they're maybe not clear on it. It's, you said, they asked the team one of their favorite companies and why, and asked them one thing they are known for. So you and me, let's just go a couple companies back and forth. Let's have some fun here, all right? So I'll throw one to you, uh, Walt Disney World.
1: For me, I think Walt Disney is magic. Yes. It's just a magical experience and it just elevates you. You know, it's funny. I'm not a really a, a ride amusement guy, but you know what I would love to do? I love to go to the Magic Kingdom, sit on that bench that's right next to the statue of Walt and Mickey yes. with a Coke and popcorn and just sit there and go, this is just an idea. This is magic. But what it encourages me to do is if you can do this with a mouse and an idea, what can I do? And when you read the biography of Walt Disney, you begin to discover it wasn't as easy. You know, it just looks so easy from everybody, you know, Instagram, everything's a highlight reel. You don't really get to see the full story. But when you see how the financial struggles that they had and the pushback that they had and the dreams that he had that nobody could buy into. but, But for me, it's magic. How about you?
0: Yeah first, what you think magic. I think magical experience. And I've, we just surprised our whole team spent a week there. And again, we got I magic. I saw that. I said, Yo, it's these kind of cool things. And that's what they said. and have a magical experience. The terms are used. You know, They say that over and over again. Throw one at me.
1: Okay. How about Starbucks?
0: Starbucks. Now, see, this is very tough for me. There's a reality that I don't many people know. I've never had a sip of coffee in my life. But the first thing I think of as knowing what's could I think mean, community. So I immediately think community. And I think they're known for bringing people together. And so that's the first thing I think of car Starbucks. And
1: I would tell you if Howard Schultz was on this call, I think he would be tearing up or giving you a standing ovation. like you (laughs) Because I'll tell you a good book to read too is Onward, whether you like coffee or not. It'll be hard for you though to read that book and not want to go get a cup of coffee, but he wanted to create community. So I think that would be a huge win for Starbucks to go. We want to create community.
0: 100%. So this is a great example. Any company that they think they're just selling toothbrushes or they're doing HVAC or whatever, they're a restaurant. Have that conversation. Hey, and then go into you know these favorite companies. Oh, wow. They got community. They got magic. They got an experience. What do we want to be known for? I think that was such a great point that we can go out of this and work from. So I want to keep moving forward. You love this comment. You said, winning organizations of tomorrow will be more concerned with becoming fans of their customers instead of convincing customers to become fans of their organization. Let's start getting practical, Jeff, because this was... So fascinating. I loved it more than anything. So, give me some examples of either how you guys are doing it or how you've seen other companies do it.
1: So, let's take social media for example. When I consult with large organizations and I, I tell them that, by the way, you do realize you're not doing social media, they absolutely lose their minds. <laughs> They're <laughs> like, well, let me show you. I can show you right here. We have an Instagram page, we have a Facebook page, we're doing all this. And I'm like, no, 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 that's digital media. You're forgetting the social in social media. And it's a astonishing to me, absolutely astonishing to me that there are brands that will post something and customers will comment back and they will never say a thing. And I've told people, it's like for those of, like in, in retail, when people walk up to the counter and, and they ask you a question, what this is, is you just turn your back and walk away. You would never do that, right? Or you wouldn't want that to happen. That's exactly what's happening on social media. So I see this all the time. In fact, I put in the book. I used to play golf, but I'm not any good at it. So I just <laughs> wasn't good for my spiritual life. So I gave up. So my hobby now is commenting on organizations Instagram posts just to see if I ever even get a like or a comment back. Hmm. And what these big brands push back on me on this is they well, we can't do it for everyone. Well, that's what I love what Andy Stanley says when he says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. I'm not saying you have to necessarily... I mean, there are systems that you can like every post. I don't even know if that's good or not. But what if you just commented on a few? And here's the thing that very few organizations are doing, Jesse. Most brands stay on their platforms. And they never venture off those platforms to go onto their customers' platforms and comment on them there and comment with them there. And here's why. And this is going to sound a little critical, and maybe it is. And maybe it's odd for a pastor to be critical. Or maybe you're like, no, my pastor was very critical. That's why I don't go to church anymore, right? So here's the deal. Many businesses, if a business was a person, many businesses would be considered narcissists. Yes. Because you look at their Instagram page, they never talk to anybody. You know, go visit anyone else. And it's always like, hey, look how much better we are than than our competitors. Look at the latest, greatest thing that we did. We're amazing. We're awesome. Our competitors are awful. We're, look at us. There's a word for that and it's called narcissism. (laughs) And I'm not telling the people in organizations that they're narcissists. I'm saying that your organization is displaying narcissistic tendencies. And my premise is that narcissism is bad for business. And so let me give you a couple of practical examples of this, all right? So let's just mention Starbucks. I was mentioning this to a large organization a few months ago and somebody raised their hand and they said, hey, I think I know what you're talking about. She said, I'm a huge Starbucks fan. And one day I posted a picture of me in a Starbucks with my Starbucks mug and said, I love Starbucks. And Starbucks commented back to me. It was so amazing. So I took a screenshot of it. I sent it to all my friends and said, Hey, look, Starbucks talked to me today. I said, Okay, great. Time out. How many other Starbucks Instagram posts have you taken a screenshot of and sent it to all your friends? And she said, oh, I've never done that before. Exactly. In that moment, and David Salyers is the genius of this, in that moment, Starbucks got very personable. And the more personable you are, the more remarkable that you will be. Mm -hmm. And what if you just did that on a daily basis? What if you just did that once? What if you just ventured onto another person's platform and commented with them there? What you're doing is you're shifting the focus away from yourself And shifting the focus on the the customer. And to use your analogy, what you have done is you have, in essence, put the fans on the field and you've put the organization in the stands and you're cheering the fans on. (laughs) Instead of what marketing is, old school marketing, and I think this is great because I think this is dying away. Old school marketing is, all right, customers, you get in the stands And you cheer us on as we try to round the bases and score as many runs as we can. Because your role is to cheer us on because we're the most important person or the most important entity here. You have flipped the script. And I believe thriving organizations in the future will flip the script. And what I mean by that is you're putting the customers on the field and you're putting the organization in the stands and you're saying, hey, customers, we're cheering you on because at the end of the day, you're more important. And that's why, I mean, honestly... I think what you have done is breakthrough, revolutionary in terms of eliminating corporate signage and all of that. And, and I say that as a former corporate sponsor guy <laughs> at Chick-fil-A, right? So I helped start the sports marketing department at Chick-fil-A. So I totally understand that. But that was back in 1996. Okay. So here we are, you know, many years <laughs> later. Well, I appreciate. I
0: think that's a great analogy. Put your fans on the field and you get in the stands. And it's so funny you mentioned that because we're actually looking at a game this year where the fans manage the game. We put the coaches up in the stadium in the seats to actually watch the fans manage it. It, When you have that clarity, Jeff, when you look at four, like you know what you're for. For us, fans first. Well, what would be more fans first? The fans decided the team name. They decided the mascot. They decide our jersey. They decide our t-shirts. They're in our music videos. And now it's like, all right, what do we keep going with that? And then let them, because I believe sports in the future, is not going to be a spectator sport. Why is Top Golf doing so, so well? Because they're engaged, they're playing it, they're not just watching it. And the idea of sitting and just watching an entire game is going to fade. And so it's exactly this four concept. How do you get them involved?
1: And yeah. I will say this what you're also doing is you are switching language. Instead of your fans describing the Savannah Bananas as they, your fans are describing the Savannah Bananas as we. Yes. Because you have created ownership in this that, hey, guess what we did? We were on the field. Hey, guess what we did? We designed the uniforms. I mean, that we is really, really
0: important. You know, I love this too, because you talk about how in churches, you're based on so many volunteers and businesses don't have volunteers. But I started thinking about this as like, Our Banana Nanas, our senior citizen dance team, completely volunteer, but they dance on the field. They have the time of life. They sign autographs. They're celebrities. Our male cheerleading team, the Mananas, they get to go on the field. They're celebrities. You know, a lot of our characters just want to be a part of it. And they feel on top of the world because they're on the inside. And now we find ways to try to pay everyone as much as we can. But that's huge. Yeah. Well, one of the things
1: I kind of want to do but trying to avoid is to qualify for the dad bod. Uh, team that you have. <laughs> the and, um, um, so. You're not there, Jeff. You, you, you're too, you're too I'm too trying different. not to. I'm trying <laughs> not to. But that's a brilliant idea to go, hey, look, let's go on this journey together. And it's a revolutionary way of what you're doing. But I think what you're doing is applicable to every organization. For example, for our social media strategy. I mean, yes. let me say this. Do you need to tell people when the Savannah bananas are playing? Absolutely. Do you need to tell people, hey, you're watching? I'm not saying you don't talk about your product. I'm not yes. saying you don't talk about your organization. I'm saying that there's a balance. Yes. Let me give you an example for us. And we don't always get this right, but we have a, a litmus test that on Instagram, for example, for every third or fourth post, it has to be about the community. It can't be about the four walls of the church or what's right. happening inside the four walls of the church. So. And in fact, one of the things I'm trying to do right now on my personal Instagram page as, as the lead pastor of the church is just start talking about, you know, the season we're in, hey, go to support this business, go and support. And these aren't people that all go to our church. These are just people in our community because we want to be for our community. And so leveraging your platform for other organizations. And I, I don't, again, I keep saying I don't want to be critical. I sound like I'm being critical. So uh, <laughs> I'll go to counseling after this. <laughs> yes. no, it's critical. If I were the director of marketing for AT&T, Sprint, Verizon, anything, I would stop immediately telling everybody how much better we are than the other competitor. We don't care. We aren't impressed. It's not surprising information to us that you think you're better than your competitors. What we want to know, by the way, one of the many reasons I love you as well is I have two kids named Jesse Cole. So there you go. (laughs) Um, And in this world of technology, this is unprecedented days. Hey, Sprint, hey, Verizon, can you help me as a parent understand how to manage technology as a parent? Because when I was their age, we didn't have any of this stuff. If you'll do that for me, I'll actually pay more. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I want to raise great kids that can leverage technology and allow it to benefit them. The reason I say that, Jesse, is that is a four mindset. Mm. We're, you're not trying to beat somebody up over here to gain market share because ultimately, you're the most important one in this relationship. You're like, hey, if we're going to go swinging, down swinging. We're going to go down swinging being for our customers. Yeah. And, it's, and here's the thing, and I'll be quiet. Although you don't want me to do that because this...
0: That'd it, be a tough interview to go <laughs> quiet. There. So continue talking. We're good.
1: In fact, I was in an online summit this week. I actually talked about you. I forgot to tell you that. <laughs> Because they asked me, give me an example in sports. It's about sports marketing, it's yeah. sports marketing world. And I said, hey, by the way, I'm a huge Braves fan. Chop on. <laughs> you know, I'm all in. Can't wait to get back to Braves game. The Braves just missed an extraordinary opportunity to be for their community with the renaming of their stadium. They named it from SunTrust to Truist Park. And this is going to sound critical. You can't really even say Truist. All right. So let's not even talk about the name, for example. Here's what they should have done. And somebody's going to do this and you've already done it in Major League Baseball, they should have said, Truist or SunTrust, whoever it is, let's just say Truist, Truist should have said, hey, Atlanta, we could put our name up there. Actually, we paid to put our name up there. But you know whose name we're going to put up there instead? We're going to put up Hank Aaron's name. And here's why. Not only because he was an amazing baseball player, he is a civil rights icon. And when he was breaking Babe Ruth's record, he was criticized as an African-American but he had the courage. People threatened his life. He had the courage to step up the plate and break the record. He's an amazing man. He's a man of class, honor, integrity. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a step back and we're going to call it Hank Aaron Field, sponsored by Truist. We're going to take a back seat. Jesse, I'm telling you, if they had done that, the community goodwill would, go. would have every time, When you just saw that, you would look at that truest company. You know what? I'm going to support them. Yeah. You know what that's going to, here's what it's going to require though. And here's the big point. It's going to require courage because the Braves are going to say, hey, we don't really care what you call it. Just (laughs) when is our check arriving to the bank? Okay. And you've got to go to the truest CEO and say, we're still writing the same dollar amount, but we're going to take a back seat and put someone else's name in hot and spotlight. I'm telling you, Somebody in Major League Baseball, somebody in the National Football League, somebody in the NBA, Major League Soccer, somebody is going to do that. And when they go first, the dominoes will fall. That's why when I saw what you did, I thought, okay, here we go. Somebody's having the courage to do this because this is a big financial decision. But what you're basing this on is not the bottom line. You're basing it on the fans responding to care and sincerity and being, being valued as them. So yeah. I'm hoping that there's a company out there that will value the community more than their name.
0: And hopefully so. I mean, that goes back to Ego is the Enemy, you know, by uh, Ryan Holiday and yeah. some of those concepts. Oh, I love that but, book. You know, when I was thinking, you know, a level there, they could have said, hey, this is Atlanta's ballpark. You, the community, yeah. get to name it. And they actually naming the evening contest. Get, they'll get thousands of names, get it down to, f- it. then do this big launch. This is yours. It's presented by Truist. And I'm like. you know, that's unprecedented. And what it would do is the buy-in. Hey, we named this, not this bank who just has more money than everyone else. That's so powerful. Jeff, you got me thinking too. There used to be like, you know, all those those Verizon versus Sprint and then so-and-so and and then all these battles between all the the carriers, you know, the mobile carriers just saying, we're better, we're better. And thinking about T-Mobile and saying, no, we're going to get rid of contracts. We're going to get rid of this. They started going the opposite way, and they went for their people, and they skyrocketed. I actually have yep. a T-Mobile phone because I believe in what they were doing, not who they were battling. And the same thing with the the, the beer companies. You got oh, we have these ingredients, we have these ingredients. We're better. We're better. We're better. And then a few years ago, Miller High Life said, "Hey, we're for you. We're going to sponsor regular people." And they started doing five dollar checks. I don't know if you saw this. They started sponsoring people. We're going to. And I was like, brilliant. You know, make it about yep. that. So. I do want to get a little more practical as we finish up here before a few games. The social strategy. I love how you said every third post is about the community. The telephone over the megaphone philosophy. You talk a little bit about chubbies. You can mention them because they're always about their fans. But you also have an email strategy that I think you've put into play recently, even more so, about just how do you add value during Christmas time and all those other things. Can you share that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. So email is often criticized and social media is valued over email. And yet email is still king if you leverage email correctly. And here's why. Facebook does not control the algorithms of my email address, (laughs) my email list. So when I send an email, it goes out to everyone. When I post something on Facebook, I think it goes to all my followers. It, It doesn't. But what that means is it's not... I don't get any credit for sending an email. I get credit if the email is opened and acted upon. So, let me give you an example from my world as a nonprofit leader. So, as you might imagine, year end giving is a big deal, right? Because everybody's trying to get, they're figuring out, you know, taxes and trying to get all that. And they want to give the organizations, but they, you know, want to do it before the year end to get a tax rate for that particular year. So, what happens is right after Christmas, that last week of the year, I mean, you get this, we all get this, we get flooded with nonprofit emails, right? So, what I realized is everybody's waiting too late and we're not, we're just using email as just an announcement. What if we began to add value? So I actually took this from Gary Vanderchuk about value. He called it jab, jab, jab hook right. or something like that. Yeah, jab, jab, right and hook. so it was add value, add value, add value, and then ask. So in December, we will put out a you know an email that says, Hey, here's a coupon for a free Chick-fil-A milkshake. Thanks for all that you've done for extraordinary year. Then the next one would be, hey, here's a great recipe for Christmas morning. To, to, it's very simple. Then the next one would be, hey, here's the college football bowl schedule. Print it out because we love college football. And then the next one that week would be, hey, as you consider making year-end giving, consider Gwinnett Church. And then we, the next week, we just repeat it. And then once Christmas comes past, then we go, hey, here's a great exercise to plan out your year. Here's a great way to clean out You know that pesky office or you know, garage, whatever. So it's jab, 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 hook So we've been doing this for five years, Jesse, and our year in giving has increased substantially each year. And my concern was, is that we're going to get a lot of unsubscribes because we're sending a lot of emails yes. during the last part of the year. We actually had people calling us asking, how, now how do I get on your email list? Because they were hearing about the value of what they were getting. So we've just taken that approach and tried to spread it throughout of the year. How can we add value on our email to be able to create more of a
0: connection and leverage technology? You know, the approach email is not about you. It's about the people you serve. Email, it's not about you. It's about the people you serve. Yes. Do you offer things of value? I think that's such a good point. And when you know what you're for, when you know what you want to be known for, it makes it easy. For us, it's entertain always. And so if we're sending out an email that's not entertaining, then that's going against what we stand for. And I'm still working with our team because it's... Hey, but they want this. They might want this. I'm like, no. We got to think about what's the value. That's why we'll do music videos and we'll do. Hey, just send this out just for fun. And I think that's that's so important. But the challenge that I have, Jeff, personally, is is the time. And this, this sounds like an excuse, and it probably is. You know, I might post in the morning personally, but then actually, do you dedicate time to say I'm going to go and follow people and like people and comment and put do like do you put that in your schedule? How do you build time into doing that?
1: So for our staff meeting,
0: we begin our staff
1: meetings, we all go to Instagram and we search hashtag Fort Gwinnett. And we all all like and comment. And we've gotten feedback that... Well, no, we meet every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Or every other Wednesday. So no, it's whenever we meet as a staff, we'll we'll do this. So it's not daily. But that's a good point. I'm hoping that we continue to do that all the time. Yes. And so on our, our... In fact, yesterday, there was this... Somebody posted something about Gwinnett Church. And we posted that on our uh, staff communication channel. And we all said, hey, go, go like this post. So we're trying to, again, more dialogue. So it's the staff meeting of hashtag Forgonet. We're sharing these posts. And, but for me, we want to reward the behavior we want repeated. And so people love getting their, you know, their Instagram posts liked. For me, as a pastor, it's helpful because when I see people in the community, when I see people on Sunday, I'll go, "Hey, how was your vacation?" And hey, how is the? Uh, congrats on the Little League baseball championship. That's that's pretty cool. And it just shrinks. It, you know, I learned this from Dan Kathy. We want to grow a small company. Uh, that's what Dan would say about Chick Fil A. We want to. So I want to grow a small church. I want to reach as many people as I can, and at the same time, I want them to think they actually noticed me, mm. and can do it for everybody. But I can do it. Um, on a consistent basis. That's why I think handwritten thank you notes are so, so yes. important. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I have a goal every day. I try to write or Monday through Friday. I try to write three handwritten thank you notes a day. And now am I perfect at that. No, uh, that's not the goal. The goal is it's supposed to bother me. So I haven't written a single handwritten thank you note today, but it's only 1048. So give me <laughs> a break people. But I know that I've, that's my goal for today, but I'm not perfect at it. Am I good? I'm very good at it because I have a system. I have a goal. So if you were to see my car, you would see in the glove compartment, there are note cards there. If you were looking at my computer bag, you would see that there are note cards there so that when I'm maybe at a coffee shop waiting on somebody and they're not there yet, I can start writing handwritten Mm -hmm. thank you notes. Or on Sundays, I'll send out to the staff, hey, was there a story that happened today that was great that you would think that your volunteers need a, a thank you note? So all of those touch points If you just look at them at a one moment in time, they're important for that person. Because here's the thing, encouragement is never small when you're on the receiving end of it. But when you add that up and go three times five is 15, 15 times 52 is a big number that I don't know. Those are the thank yous. And here's one of my secret goals. Whenever, you know, I won't be the lead pastor of uh, Gwinnett Church Forever. So, but when I leave, I would love for somebody to say, hey, thanks, Jeff, for being here how many of you got a handwritten thank you note from Jeff over these mm-hmm. years? I would love for, and it may not be everybody, but I would love for most, you know, 99% of the crowd to raise their hands. And in that moment, I just feel like we need, well, one of the things I learned from Truett is the international sign that you can use to determine if someone needs to be encouraged. And the international sign is if they are breathing. And if they are breathing, they need encouragement. So that's what you're doing with the Savannah Bananas. Entertainment is encouragement. It's taking their minds off of maybe their worries and stress and going, you know what? The world is a,
0: can be a good place. Well, I'll tell you, I received a, a thank you card from you. And uh, you know nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. And I think you need to have a strategy for it. As crazy as that sounds, with our times, we need to have a strategy. I've been doing one a day since 2016, but not, nothing like you, my friend. That is very impressive. And... uh I think the key is if we want our team to do this, we have to follow it and we have to embody it ourselves. And as our season goes, we have all these digital interns that join our team. If we, there's time for them to like and comment, but we as leaders. So I have to make a commitment and stand. I have done this and start going out, spending time daily and saying just like... And you're right. The Savannah Bananas or Gwinnett Church, wow, they liked my post today. That seems sometimes cooler than a person sometimes. And I think we need to think about the power our brands hold that like our brand's listening to us. So that is the biggest, one very big practical thing that has just inspired me so much. And as we finish here, I want to go in a little bit because you can't just do this all for your fans. You got to become great fans of your people. And I love how you started saying you got to love your people even more than your customers. And I saw a picture on Instagram. You had a four card, and you were doing some things for your team. You had, you had a four that you've had to Tell me a little bit about this mindset, some of the things that you do for your people, your volunteers and staff.
1: So I'm a, I'm a preacher's kid, and I've been in church all my life. And let me tell you a little secret about church world um, that most people don't know. And this, I'm being general here, obviously. The church generally is a terrible place to work. Hmm. And I saw that growing up. I saw people criticize my dad. And that's called culture. So, the culture of an organization determines the future of the organization. I love what Peter Drucker said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So, I can have the best breakthrough strategy as a nonprofit or a business, but if my culture is dysfunctional, just give it enough time. Uh, it'll, it'll flow to the customer because the customer is eventually treated like the team is treated. Mm-hmm. It is unquestionable. There's no way around this. You treat your team poorly, your team will treat the customer poorly. So, taking your team to Walt Disney World, I mean, no wonder your fans get treated like they do. I just spoke on the Chick fil A convention a few months ago. They took the entire organization on a cruise ship, two cruise ships, because Chick fil A is too big for just one. <laughs> that, they spent millions of dollars on that, but everybody walked off that boat, both operators and staff, saying, we're going to treat our customers even better. Yes. So for me, the four card is just a way to tell people and our team, hey, we love you and we appreciate you and, and we're for you. And, and I try to create, that's why when I, trying to figure out a schedule for you to come speak to our staff. I feel like staff meetings are so important. And so one of the things that I've been blessed with is a really strong network of people like you and people that I've met who I've said, hey, could you come speak to our staff and just tell us what you're doing with Savannah Bananas. Don't, don't worry about what we do or how it's going to connect to what we do. Our job is to take what you do or what you've told us and apply it to our world. And we've just had phenomenal staff meetings. In the season that we're, we're in, I want to be a calm leader in the crisis that we're in as a world right now and just say, Hey, we're going to get through this. But my top priority right now is taking care of the staff.
0: Mm. Right so, what now, was on, so the, the four cart, car. what was on the four cart? Like, what do you do with
1: it? So for that particular photo was just smoothies, just planet smoothies, smoothies. And we have a local business that we just like to support, planet smoothie. And even though it's a franchise, these are two local business owners. So we just... I just walked around and said, hey, does anybody want a smoothie? And then sometimes it'll just be popcorn or for Halloween, it'll be Halloween snacks. So we just do that occasionally just as an afternoon break. And it's an opportunity for me. You know, Kim Blanchard wrote this book called Management by Walking Around. You know, our team, let's just not walk around. Let's have some fun while we walk around and, yes. and create You know, an afternoon snack, keep people, give them a little boost toward, toward the day. So I believe that if we'll let Disney World be the happiest place on earth, In terms of what I do, I think the church should be the most joyful place Mm -hmm. on the planet. And that's not really the reputation of the local church in this world. You're actually competing with us right now in that, Jesse, uh, in terms (laughs) of joy. So you're kind of ahead of us. We have a
0: different word, though. Jeff, we have a different word. See, ours is, and I hear this like from our breakdancing coach and our players. And we always say we want this to be the most fun summer you've ever had. And after the summer, a lot of the guys give me a hug and said it was the most fun I've ever had. So for that's kind of joyful, fun, happy. They all go together, but fun. And I think that really embodies what we're doing. So Joyful, you own that, my friend. We'll we'll work with fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I like that statement, though, because, you know, and again, it goes back to it's not about we want to have a great baseball experience. I mean, because and and again, you've clearly identified what you want to be known for and how you're going to deliver. Well, we're
0: working on. All right. I want to start, I want to quickly finish here. We're going to do some quick rapid fire games. The first one, Truth and Dare. Which one would you like uh, first? Let's go with truth. All right, truth. What's one thing that you notice that's either holding you back or companies back from doing this four strategy more?
1: I think the demands of daily life. And so what I mean by that is you have to get ahead on the social media game in order to you have to have a plan so that you can go, hey, let's go to this business ask them to put on a four shirt. Let's shoot a video so that we can post it on four Gwinnett Friday. That's going to have it. That's going to take a plan. So if you're not planned out for this, you're going to fall prey to what are sales? How are we doing? Oh gosh, this this product's not doing too well. And I'm not saying you shouldn't look at that, but that's going to be the thing that shouts the loudest. Mm -hmm. For example, I never get an email from people who don't go to our church complaining about our church. I get emails from people who go to our church and they're great, but sometimes they're like, hey, the music's too loud, or I don't like this, or I don't like that. So I can be so consumed by what they think. And then I forget to think about the people who we're trying to impact outside of our organization. So I think having a plan is going to help you make sure that you're balancing between talking about your organization and talking about those that you're trying to serve. So get ahead. 'Cause again, this is not an urgent thing to do. It's an important thing to do.
0: I love it. Well, set time. You know, we say win the morning, win the day. Nothing can interrupt you then. Maybe just set time and say we're going to commit to this. This is Absolutely. Well, of- that's the same thing, you know, in terms of our staff meetings. You yes. know, I could just go, okay,
1: that's our staff meeting. Here's the profit loss statement for the, the month. And here's what's no no no. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. What we're gonna do is that we're going to say hey to and encourage the folks in our church right now. I got, we put on music, and I go, we got five minutes. Ready, set, go. And people's phones start blowing up, and it's like, I can tell it's Gwinnett Church staff meeting because, uh,
0: you know, all <laughs> that stuff. I love it. All right, are you ready for the dare? It's truth and dare. Let's do it. All yes. right, so when you come to a Bananas Game, you'll be a part of this. This is one of the favorites that we do every night. It's the whole stadium sing-off. 2,000 fans in one grandstand versus 2,000 fans in another grandstand. We play a song when it stops. You have got to finish those song lyrics. So this is going to get interesting and fun. Are you ready for it? <laughs> okay.
1: You know I'm not much of a music guy, so
0: here we go. I, I, I know right. no one is that's on this show. That's what makes it great. <laughs> okay, right. Here we go. Oh, I know it's Bon
1: Jovi. <laughs> We're halfway there. Oh, living on a dare.
0: Is that right? <laughs> You're living on a prayer. You're living on a. <laughs> <pretty> <laughs>
1: fine jimmy. Living on a dare how, sounds good. How embarrassing that you have a pastor on the show and he went with dare and not prayer. Hey, I mean, I, that is like. It was prime,
0: truth and dare. So you were officially living on a dare. That's exactly oh, you what are. you were doing there. So you All nailed right. it, my friend. All right. You won that game. Uh, I'm going to finish with two quick things right here. So let's go to question time. We've asked the questions, what do you want to be known for? But is there another amazing question that we should ask ourselves? If you want better answers in business and life, you get ask better questions. What are you known for is the number one. Is there maybe a number two question we can ask ourselves?
1: Well, there is. I think it's... Well, there's, there's a few there, but I think what are you known for? That is this... We got to ask our customers, what do you think? How are we delivering? Are we delivering on what we want to be known for? And the reality is, there's a gap there. There's a gap in what you want to be known for and what you are known for. But here's why I think we should really wrestle with these two questions. When a team, a group, a staff comes to work every day and they know what they're supposed to do, they're supposed to shrink the gap between those two questions, then you don't have silo thinking. You don't have the finance department over here and you have marketing over here and you have operations over here. I mean, there's a classic battle between marketing and operations in any organization. But when they understand, no, 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 we're not battling one another. We're trying to shrink the gap between what we want to be known for and what we are known for. Oh, that's what we do. And here's how you do it, accounting. Here's how you do it, operations. Here's how you do it, marketing. Here's how you do it, customer service. Here's how you do it, sales. Yes. Oh, that's all we're doing. So I think those two questions are really, really important to wrestle with.
0: All right. Final two here. Quick win. Someone from right now, after listening to this, can go back to their team to start becoming a more for company or be very clear on what they're known for? So
1: let's just stay with Instagram for a moment. I would go and look at how many followers you have. There's a discrepancy. I'm not saying that you should follow everybody, but there's a discrepancy, may, especially with major brands. I mean, you'll see brands that have like 700,000 followers and they're following like 500 or 300 or 200. And then when you look at who those followers are, they're basically following themselves. There's a word for that. It's called narcissism. But anyway, so what I would do is I would try to, sh- to, to level that out a little bit. And then I would go on your customers' platforms and just comment on them. Because here's the thing that a lot of companies don't realize. It's not how many followers you have. It's how many followers you have times how many followers your followers have. So if you have 500,000 followers, it's 500,000 followers times how many they have. And when they start talking about you, you unleash the opportunity for them to talk about you. Mm, I love it. And so that's what I would do. I would start trying to talk to you and I would comment on five a day, just five a day. And it may not seem big to you, but I think it would be big. In fact, I've told Chick-fil-A this. I said, I would search the hashtag Chick-fil-A and comment everyone in the organization should be commenting on posts. And yeah, do we need to have training? Yes, we need to be careful with what we say. Yes, you could just say, "Hey, thanks for eating Chick Fil A today." That's (laughs) awesome.
0: I I love it. All right, final one right here. You finished the book talking about how after Truett Cathy passed and the staff all received a letter from him and how powerful that was. Obviously, he left a lasting legacy. How do you want to be remembered?
1: Can I tell you something about that story real quick that I didn't that that I
0: wasn't allowed to? Here's some breaking news
1: that I wasn't allowed to share in the book, but I'll just tell you this. So he didn't just send a letter. He took a life insurance policy out in for all of the staff so that when he passed away, they benefited from him. So they got a letter from him and they got a check from him. And this is the whole full-time staff? Yes. And again, it's not really the amount that matters, whatever it was. It was just the gesture that, hey, I went to take a life insurance policy out on you because I valued, valued you. And the humility of Chick-fil-A is they... you know, I wanted to include that story in the book. And they were like, I uh, would prefer you know, not do that. So I, wow. you know, I took it out. But here I am on the Jesse Cole podcast
0: talking <laughs> about it. So Don't uh, worry. No one's uh, listening.
1: <laughs> so for me, there's several answers to that question. But for me, I want to be known for being for the person in front of me at yes. that moment. So right now, it's Jesse and his podcast listeners. I want to be for you. I may leave in a little bit and go to the drive through at, let's say, Starbucks. I want to be for the barista. They go, hey, how are you doing today? or I want to be for a customer behind me. So we do this thing at Gwinnett Church called Pay It Backwards. And so we have these little magnets that say, for Gwinnett. And so you're sitting behind me in Starbucks, and then you get up to the counter and they're like, you know, they're getting out their money. They're like, I don't know, the person in front of you paid for you. Mm. And so the whole time they're sitting there going, for Gwinnett, what does that mean? And they pull up and it's like, oh, the person, the for Gwinnett, what does that mean? And so I want to be for, in that case, I want to be for the person behind me. But more often, I want to be for the person right in front of you, because I believe every personal interaction is important. I think personally for me, I think it's God ordained, and don't take any of that for granted. So there's this little dry cleaners I go to that's actually there's like seven dry cleaners, and I have to drive all the way to this one. Um, I just you know just want to encourage these people because we used to live over there, yeah. and so I was there a couple weeks ago, and, the, and you could tell the lady was having a bad day, and she goes, "I wish all customers." like you, And I know that sounds egotistical, I'm telling you this, but the point is, is that it's a moment every time I'm with them, like, hey, how are you doing? You know, so I'll come by and drop off some, you know, chicken nuggets sometimes for them, or I'll just drop off some food for them. And it's those moments of being for that person. And I want to have stories like that, that when my life is over, there's just countless stories to say, that guy was for me.
0: Oh, well, you're living it, my friend. And I'll tell you that what's so great about their book and the wisdom here, it's timeless. It's timeless. It will last forever and it'll make an impact. It made an impact on me. I've never seen... I don't think my president's so fired up about this whole mentality. This person who worked for Chick-fil-A, also very religious, and this is just a really, really important message. So the book, Know What You're For, I hope everyone reads it. And Jeff, I can't thank you as much for the inspiration and the impact you've made on me, my friend.
1: Thank you, Jesse. Can't wait to be at a Savannah Bananas game. Still not going to try to do the dad bod
0: team, yeah. but I'm going to be there and I can't wait to experience it in we're, person. We're going to have a lot of fun. All right. Thank you, man. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently, where we believe whatever's normal, do the exact opposite, and that standing out is the best way to grow your business. For more information about the guest and topics covered on this episode, visit findyouryellowtux.com or shoot me a note at jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.